special episode of the vigilante 1939 podcast unfortunately i am not zenick i do not have a crazy intro for you but what i do have is a great friend with me so you should recognize the sound of my voice but if you do not i will be hosting today it's your lovely nico caruso and i am here with a beautiful lovely friend of ours a friend of the show friend of the podcast community we have sir eric holzman from straight out of gotham podcast and the and a contributor to batman on film as well eric how are you today Wow, you knighted me just there. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is, you know, we've been talking about it for a little while, so it's good that we're finally doing it and putting it down, as they say in the trade. Exactly. I love that. I haven't ever heard that, but I'm going to start saying that. We are putting it down today, and what we are <laughs> putting down on y'all today is Eric and I will be talking about the trial of the Chicago 7, film that dropped to Netflix a couple weeks ago. And this film should be a primary awards contender. It has a lot to it, has a great history to it as well. And I think it serves as a great telling of a historical event while also beautifully commenting on some things we're doing today. So that's what we're going to get into. Clap. All right, sir. Eric, first we have a little bit to talk about in terms of, there's a little bit of a backstory that came with this film. Do you want to get into that first? Yeah, so we're obviously it came out this year, it's 2020, but this originally was supposed to be filmed in 2007, 2008, sometime in that range. Mm -hmm. And originally it was supposed to be a Steven Spielberg production. Uh, He was originally, huh? Could you imagine that? Oh, no, no, yeah. I mean, this, (laughs) of course, like he's one of the God directors, right? So anytime you hear Steven Spielberg is directing something, it's one of the immediately, I got to see it or I got to go. So yeah, I mean, knowing what we know of the film now and, you know, I'm not going to say too much until we get in further. I think it would have been even better. I'll just leave it at that. I think it would have been even better with him directing. So Yeah, so that's the original, uh, one of the original things about this film as well. Obviously, it it was still Aaron Sorkin who wrote it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some different castings in the beginning. So first you had uh, the guy who plays, Yaha Abdul-Mati plays uh, Seal in the film that we saw, but Jonathan Majors was originally the one attached to it. Uh, the yeah. early Seth Rogen and and uh, was also like there's other people that were also um, added to this film later in that obviously weren't involved in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So it was a you know when you think about 13 years between the time it's announced and the time it finally gets made. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of things changed during those times. So uh, Will Smith was originally approached for Bobby Seale as well. Wow. Um, Heath Ledger was approached about playing wow. Tom Hayden. Wow. Oh, could you imagine? Yes. Right. Ooh, wow. So, so yeah, so there was a lot of developmental things that changed in the time frame, and it really all got paused because of the writer's strike mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, so that was just a little bit of information about the backstory of how long this movie was actually in development and when we actually, obviously, from the time it was in development to when we actually got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, this, you know, it's a, it was a, it was, it's one of those things that seemed like it took a lot to get done. Yeah. So. Who is Rogan going to play? Abby Hoffman? It doesn't, the, my... It doesn't say. Information doesn't say. That's no. fine. Now I'm curious who Rogan was going to play. Cause no. Yeah. I feel like maybe Jeremy Strong's character, uh, Jerry Rubin, maybe Jeremy Strong. Yeah, that, yes. I feel that, like that works. Yeah. <laughs> that probably like, would have been it, yeah. Yeah, because I can't see anyone but Sasha for Abby, or at least after watching it. But um, so then right before we start, do you want to give them a brief synopsis of what it was about what the story pertains to all right so <clears throat> back in 19 in august of 1968 there was a group of um i don't want to say protesters but yeah they that's what they were uh, <laughs> they wanted to protest at the democratic Na- national convention in chicago f- against the vietnam war and uh, originally, if you in the beginning of the film, you see they actually try and get permission, and they're denied permission to actually go there and set up and do pro- and protest. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's the main backstory of what happens. And then uh, they get arrested, and the movie will, the movie then explains what what each situation happened, how each situation happened, and where uh, why each person each member of the seven were arrested and the seven are abby hoffman jerry rubin tom hayden rennie davis david dellinger lee weiner john freund and bobby seal mm-hmm. and i don't want to say too much now because we're going to go into the film so yeah absolutely absolutely so let's start i know you're a big sorkin guy mm-hmm. so let's start with the script let's talk about this a little bit so for me i think sometimes a primarily courtroom drama can be hit or miss especially one that takes place 90% in the courtroom that has to do with the retelling of something that happened. So he nails it with a few good men way back in the day. Mm-hmm. For me, this is a really good Sorkin script for me. I, I hate to give things superlative, so I don't want to say it's a top two, top three. It would be hard for me to say that now, especially with not having seen some of those other films in a while. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a really good script because it is very, it's very effective for me. It was very effective. I, I think he tells the story in a really nice way. I think he segments it well. I think he does well with transitions. And I think he does a good job of getting a lot of characters, at least primarily the main members of the seven their moment to shine and their moment to be put in the spotlight. So we kind of see their motivation while we're doing it or why they are doing it, etc. I also think a lot of the themes that you kind of talked about is these idea of they're protesting a cause that they feel is unjust. And we kind of see how the legal system at the time dealt with that and what, and how the legal system viewed these people, they viewed them as anarchists, as radicalists, etc. And I love how he wrote it in such a way to make you feel. So there was times where I was angry. There's times where I was really nervous. There were times I was upset, even though I did some looking, researching before, I kind of knew what was going to happen. But we also feel a certain way because there are some very timely aspects to the script. There are things that we're seeing that are similar, similarly happening now. And I think 
to write the movie the way he did, he can channel those emotions from us. How, how do you feel about that? No, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. It, it is it is a very good Sorkin script. It's typical Sorkin at the same time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, you could tell right away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought when you have a large cast like this, it I think always the, sorry, the struggle is always to make each character connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he wrote each character and he and the way it's played out in the film very well because I did feel a connection to each character in mm-hmm. the story. Um, and to me, that's that's the always the 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 challenge and the goal. Mm-hmm. And no matter what ensemble cast you have, I always feel like and sometimes you, there's one or two characters that maybe don't get the full treatment. Mm-hmm. or you don't get to really connect with them but i didn't have feel that in this film at all even even some of the smaller characters that you know we haven't mentioned yet but even some of the char- you know the smaller characters who weren't main um characters in the film you get you get a little snippet of it and you get there is that connection point where you're like wow you know this person was this or or you know this person was that and you really just uh you can feel what they're feeling and so yeah i thought from that aspect, he nailed that part of the um, of the script. Mm-hmm. It's a obviously certain characters get more to say than others. Sure, uh, <laughs> sure, sure. So you know, so there's that as well. But um, the script to me was is just it's a really strong script. It's very very uh, it brings you in completely. I think, and it's riveting for the few hours of the, that you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm very much so. I, I i couldn't agree more and and one last thing too on the script is his it's funny you know a film is written by him because he writes the dialogue it's like there almost should be a class on like aaron sorkin dialogue it's like super stoic then there's always a little bit of humor in there at the right time and then i feel like like I feel like every character always has, he writes a line for them that like sticks with you for weeks. And I don't know how he does it, but he's so good at writing dialogue. It's, 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 it's dumb. It's silly. It's so, it's so good. I don't understand it. I wish I could write two people talking in a way that's so powerful and commanding like that. So you mentioned the characters a bit and how they all have, their time to shine and that they all and that you you were able to connect to them so let's talk about the cast real quick so we have an ensemble cast here really not a true lead um even though i feel like when award season comes around there's going to be some people submitted as leads even though i don't Mm -hmm. really think there is one um who stood out to you in the cast overall oh uh, or was it all of them it could be all of them let me know well no i mean the the people who stand out the people who stand out in this film, uh, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of moments in the film where each yeah. one of them really gets their like yeah. I said their chance to shine, and they that's the standout moment of the film. Um, but I think probably Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, uh, yeah. as Abby Hoffman, yeah, um, you know, like to me, both him and both Abby Hoffman and Ruben, obviously they're the humorous ones in this movie, yeah. And they kind of, for me, they kind of drive the narrative because the, mm-hmm. their their underlying part, the underlying part of their fight in this, um, kind of gets overshadowed really much, and then till the end, and then then you just see like you get to really see 
what their, I mean, obviously they're all protesting this thing, but how they were going to go about it and what their way was as opposed to everyone else's. And he just, to me, every time he was on the screen, he just ate up, he ate it up. Like he's, he's the one that stood out to me the most. The other one was um, Mark Rylance's William Kunstler. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I hadn't seen him in anything in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So then when I saw him hit the screen, uh, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, wow, he's, you know, wow, okay. I didn't know he was in the cast. I didn't look before. I oh, knew sure, the, yeah. main, the main players, but I didn't look before to see. And then I'm like, oh, wow, Mark Rollins is in this. And he was incredible as well. Mm. Like, he was so good. Uh, you know, I just, there's so many other, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was good. and Right, and like, he's had a nice little revival here. Like, we, I feel like we, we haven't seen Levitt in a while, and then he came, he's come out with, like, three or four films in the past, like, two, three months, and it's like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's back. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, he's, he's kind of – yeah, I mean, he, obviously he's done big films, but he kind, yeah. of, he kind of always does these kind of more, you would say, indie type or, yeah. you know, uh, film festival type movies call them. <laughs> Of course, of course. You know, to me, he's he does some of those lower, uh, not not blockbuster films. He just just kind yeah. of more of the mainstream ones, and he's excellent, man. I've I honestly can't say there's a film I've seen him in that I didn't like. Uh, yeah, his performance I, anyway. So that's a good. I know some people, some friends of ours, would not agree with that because he is in <laughs> the greatest Batman film of all time, The Dark Knight Rises. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. I I thought Rylance was outstanding. I actually would say he's my, I think he's my shoo-in almost for a Best Supporting Actor nomination. At least I think so. Um, he was relatable. He was furious at times. And you could feel he, I feel like he was the main character who you felt that sense of frustration from. Mm-hmm. Because he's just trying to do the right thing. Then he's trying to run. He's trying to do his job and represent everyone in the courtroom in a fair way. And he's not able to do that. And it's the first time I think he even alludes to it's the first time in his career. He's dealing with what he's dealing with from the legal side of it, from the judge who Franklin Gella, I also thought nailed it too, as being someone who's hateable. And that's how, you know, it's a good acting performance when you cannot stand him. And I think he has a shot too to get in. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, because he's just so, I mean, I couldn't stand him like two thirds of the way through the film. I had to look up the judge to make sure like he's not still working. And then I did see ahead of, I did see a little bit ahead of time what his ending is, like what, like how he gets talked about, how he's remembered. So I'm like, okay, good. But I'm like, man, he was, he was, he was terrible, <laughs> but great acting performance, but a terrible, terrible representation of what a, a judge should be. And then, of course, you know, Eddie Redmayne, yep. Academy Award winner. And what's funny, and this is what we talked about, we, but Sorkin places things in a script perfectly. I thought Eddie was good. I thought he was really good. And then towards the end of the film, I'm like, okay. He he hasn't had like his moment yet, and then the last half hour is like all him, including mm-hmm. the big climax ending at the courtroom where we get the ending. And I'm like, Eddie Redmayne has joined the chat. There he is. <laughs> there he is. There he is. And you know he's great. And then 
our guy Keaton, small role, but man, awesome role. Could you, were you anticipating it was going to be him when he came on? <clears throat> no. Really? Okay. So when they said they were going to go talk to Ramsey Clark, I'm like, is this Keaton? And then Keaton <laughs> comes on the screen. I'm like, it's Keaton. And then for the 10 minutes he's in there, he reminds everyone in the room, I'm Batman. And he steals <laughs> the entire scene um, when he's yeah, in Yeah, he does. He does. He, he does. And, and watching that reminded me how much I really hope he ends up in that Flash film. And that's a different conversation <laughs> for a different day, not on this topic. Um, anyone else in the cast you want to touch on real quick? Uh, not really. I didn't, I think everyone played their roles well, but nothing, nothing, not really a standout, mm-hmm. uh, for me, other than the ones we mentioned. I think Yaha Abdul-Mateen was good as yeah. Bobby Seale. Like, I think he was good and he played the role well. Um, but he, it wasn't like he, I don't think he had any moment where obviously there's the moment that something happens to him in yeah. the film <laughs> yeah, that you... everyone, you know, that everyone yeah. will remember or will, will also cringe from. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little while, I guess. Sure. But uh, yeah, but I think he, he's another, I'd say he was good. Like, yeah, I, if you know anything about Bobby Seale, if you've ever read anything mm-hmm. um, Bobby Seale, uh, he kind of, there were things that the way he played it in this, in the movie though, there were things I didn't even like in the beginning, I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, so it was good for me from an educational standpoint. And he's he, like, he sells the role and he kind of, he fits the character. Mm-hmm. So he's the only other one I would say kind of, you know, and obviously he was the one, Bobby still was the one who shouldn't even have been there. No, no, no. <laughs> he shouldn't have even been there. And, and that's part of it. And, yeah. and you feel that. I I'm with you. I, I think he did a great job. I, I love him. And in fact, he's on a, he's on a hot streak. Like no one I've ever seen before. In fact, if it, you know, wasn't for COVID, I, I think Candyman, what, what it came out in those sort of indie horror films are always a hit at the box office at least. So I think he would have rolled that way. If he would have done this Aquaman two is right around the corner. He just Watchmen. won his Emmy Watchmen. Yep. Yeah, he, he just won the Emmy. So, but I will say too, he's great when he, or he's great when he's there and then he's not in it as much as I think you would think, or he's marketed right. as, which is you, you start going a while and you're like, Oh, where's Bobby seal. And then, you know, spoiler alert, he, at some point, his story kind of ends and there's a lot more movie left. So you're like, Oh, okay. That's it for our guy. So, um, he's, well, he's re- really good when he's there. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and the way the movie begins, you're led to believe he has a bigger part than he actually you, does. You're like, okay, he's the main guy. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. The whole time. Yeah. So, so, and that's, and that's actually the thing I want to get into really next. Cause I think you hit the nail on the head there is so Sorkin all-time screenwriter I would say this probably is a shoe-in for original screenplay nom probably win because it's Aaron Sorkin and how do you not give it to Aaron Sorkin but I do want to say what do you think of his directing skills (laughs) was this is his second go around he did he did his debut with Molly's Game uh 2017 I believe yeah so what are your thoughts on his directing skills and I I think I segued that into like this is going to be a negative thing, but <laughs> I'll I'll get into mine. You kick it off. Um. Well, I think like obviously we just talked about the performances we got from the actors, and the director right. always has a hand in that. Of course, of course. So obviously, that part was good. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought some of the movie um, maybe jumped a little bit from time to time. That's what I was, yeah. Right? And I don't know <laughs> if that's editing. Like, I don't know if that was in post where they said, well, we can't have this or that we have to, for, for time constraints or whatever, because sometimes that happens. Yeah. Obviously, there's parts of a film that get removed that maybe the director wanted in originally, but after going through post and looking at everything, saying, no, nah, mm-hmm. we can't have that or pull that out. So that would probably be my one critique is that there's sometimes in the film you're kind of going on this one path and then he just switches gears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's probably my one critique of his directing in this movie. Um, but again, it doesn't, it's not something that I look at and it takes me out of the film. No, it doesn't. Right. It brings you right back in. So it's a, it's, I'd say he did a solid job. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, you does follow the stories of each guy and you get there and you get to the Mm -hmm. point you're going in the Mm -hmm. end. And like I said, the performances, he directed everybody in the movie and the performances Mm -hmm. are solid all around some great ones. So I'd give him a, a, a B. If I was grading, you know, I give it I, a B. I agree completely. So I'm with you. I, I thought he directed the characters well, and I thought he told the story well. But I also think he did just that. I, I, I think he told the story very safe, start to finish. Um, I think it's an improvement for Molly's game. Not that it was bad. It was a great directorial debut for him. But I definitely think he's a stronger writer than a director and it's crazy to say a guy of that much talent is learning at something but he's learning at something i'm with you too i think the way he jumps sometimes in terms of where he's taking a specific part of the story jumps a little bit i also think that well while he does a good job directing character performances i think some of the way he structured some of the characters primarily seal and um joseph gordon levitt i'm forgetting the lawyer's name we start off the movie very them heavy like we're we're seeing oh is joseph gordon levitt is he into this trial is he not i wonder why what what else does he know how is he going to kind of shape the case around this and then he's kind of just the lawyer on the other side then for a while and then for yaha it's it's the same thing looks like he's going to be a big leader of this movement and then I'm I'm not sure if he did a good enough job of showing us, okay, he's just a part of this and then, you know, he's going to be gone because a lot of focus in the first 20 minutes is on those two guys. And then right. pretty much they really take a backseat to everyone else. And then just the last thing too, sometimes directors could, could add some extra flair or do some things which seems to get a little bit bigger of a reaction. And while I think the script was very effective and I was definitely feeling everything Sorkin was trying to make me feel, I definitely think there were a couple scenes he could have done some things where they hit harder and I was like, whoa, or yes, or damn. But that's just other icing on the cake stuff. We each said, you know, if Spielberg did it, it would be even better. Yeah. Right. I think a really A-list director would have like, this would be a slam in the dunk for best picture winner but i still think sorkin did a great job doesn't hold back the film at all i think it just separates it from being like toppest of the tier as to in my mind really good but i don't want to spoil my thoughts i might have i almost just did that so we talked a little bit about this or we teased it at the start there are a lot of uh themes in here a lot of themes that not only play a historical role but some of them feel really timely. Some feel scarily timely. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about how you felt watching this at times or certain parts in the movie that got a response from you. 
Well, any kind of any kind of courtroom. Just was. I'm just going to start with this. Any kind of courtroom type setting or for a drama. Uh, I. I'm a trained paralegal. That's what I went to school for. So legal things I'm very attuned to right away. Sure. I always, sure. And it's weird because I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, like the questioning, like, was that the way mm -hmm. I would, <laughs> yeah. was, was that the way with attorney I worked for? Would he go that way or he or she go that way or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So I always look at, I always look at from a legal angle. Number one, that's one mm -hmm. way I look at when I have a courtroom drama, I always look at things from a legal angle. Um, and again, I'm always trying to figure out, even though I know this, this is in the past, it's, it's part of history, I know the outcome, but I always try to say, okay, what's the point of law they're trying to get to? What's mm -hmm. the point? You know? <laughs> so I'm a little weird when I watch courtroom dramas because hey, I'm always, okay. always trying, but um, from that perspective, from a, a, from a legal perspective of what they were going, uh, what he was going for, uh, I actually liked, and I think he, he did a good job and it put me in a good state, um, mindset saying, okay, this is actually, this is not one of those goofy 80s TV show courtroom shows like mm -hmm. Matlock where, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> like all these, so it was very true to the, to the legal um, environment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of the thing, this is a movie about protests and obviously we've had a lot of mm -hmm. that this year mm -hmm. over the summer with the killings of George Floyd and, mm -hmm. and Breonna Taylor and, uh, I'm forgetting some of the other names, so I apologize. Not that they're not fresh in my mind, but mm -hmm. um, it's just so this film highlights on obviously the 60s, the civil rights, you have mm -hmm. the civil rights and the Vietnam War, and the, that's what this was about. So it's very similar from that regard. And it does kind of bring you into the moment. Like you, you can it, relate watching this now, you can relate and say, wow, I was just watching this, mm -hmm. you know, two months ago. And it's still going on in some places mm -hmm. around the country. So you kind of, you're kind of already there and this just magnifies it for you. And it puts it in like, wow, you know, this is a problem that we keep having. This is an issue that we keep having as a country, the, the relationship between police and protest. And you have all of that in this film and it's fresh for us, right? It's fresh as an audience for us to see. So that part of it from, from that standpoint, uh, yeah, like you're, it's, it hits close to home. Like it really gets close to home right now and watching the movie, you're obviously, you're, you're, you're really, you're rooting for the, the protester. You're rooting for them. You are. Yes. You know? And that's just, I think it shows, it also can show a person maybe, and I hope it does. It did, it did for me, uh, magnifies your thinking on this topic, on these types yes. of things. Yes. And I think, if that was one of the intents of doing the film, I don't know. I mean, usually it is. Obviously, mm -hmm. films are always meant to elicit a reaction from people. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it, it it did that. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you 100. It it did hit close to home, and I feel like you said something so beautifully. It 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 certain things can feel heavier because we're experiencing it right now, and it also shows you how you think about it. So. I have a feeling we got upset and we were angry at the same things, which is a good thing. I think um, one from Sorkin's filmmaking standpoint, but from our standpoint too. And it's things have this weird, I always laugh when a movie comes out and it feels very timely because they've filmed and wrote all this maybe a year, a year and a half ago. And he's had the script for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy how it works out that a lot of what's in here, especially the idea of, you know, 
there are examples of racism. There are examples of the legal system trying to shape the experience how they want it and trying to get the result they want as opposed mm-hmm. to letting it be fair and just and especially me growing up in Chicago where is where the film takes place you know we right. always we kind of learn about how unfortunately we're known as one of the most corrupt cities in terms of politics throughout history <laughs> so we learn we we never really talked about the seven but we did talk about mayor daly a lot and we did mention the 68 democratic convention. They do talk about a bit on how all these riots were here. And we were a hub for like Vietnam protesting and stuff. So one, it hit close to home. Cause I'm like, damn, our city is corrupt. Um, but at the same time, it was also interesting to, to learn about that, at least for me. But another, another big theme in here, I, I, I think is humanity too. And it's, you know, how far would you go? for a cause that you believe in. And I think we saw in a pandemic, a lot of the world unite in a really beautiful way. And a lot of these companies and sports teams and various other organizations who stepped up to join the cause as well. And like I said, especially during a global pandemic. So I think that aspect, that's why the characters are so relatable too. Cause while while we're upset at some of the negative things happening happening in the movie, um, I really like how a lot of the seven in the film come from different places, but yep. you know they all have a similar cause and they have a totally different way of doing things like Abby and Thomas Hayden. Abby wants to do it all completely 180 and Thomas Hayden really wants to cooperate to an extent, but they mm-hmm. have a really good, and they clash a lot during the film, but a really nice scene is at the end they just get done arguing the, the two of them and Abby references something that Thomas Hayden wrote. And he's like, you read that? And he goes, of course I read everything you published. And that's just showing like, they're still on the same side. Yep. They're not agreeing on how they're doing this whole experience, but they're on the same side. And I think for all of us, and when earlier I said how we feel about it should be a good thing. I think it's great that a lot of us felt angry and upset and saddened in certain parts of the film because that kind of mindset is what a lot more people are going to need to make a better future, hopefully. So anything else in terms of the plot or the actual film itself, any parts that you really liked? I just referenced one at the end. I want you to have a chance to get some specific moments in there that you might have really liked. Well, I liked. I mean, such a heavy film. I think humor is oh. is is important. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so any scene with Ruben in it was kind oh, of God. good. Added some levity because it's such a serious film, and like he just kind of brings it there. So the stuff about him and the CIA, was she CIA, <laughs> FBI agent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he falls in love. <laughs> oh, and it, yeah, they go about it, and he's like, oh, "How long did you know her?" And he's like. <laughs> two days or something like <laughs> i will say the editing in this film i thought was really good for the most part especially when they're telling the story on the hill and it's jumping between the three people it's gordon levitt yeah um the and the woman and then she talks about it and then jeremy strong ruben's character is we're watching him but when she's revealed as being a cia agent and it just cuts to him and he's just like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's an all-time transition and just uh, a performance. I'm a big 
Jeremy Strong guy. So I'm glad that in like the last three years, he's had this like revival and he won an Emmy for the best show on television right now, in my opinion, succession. <laughs> but then he did a really nice job in a movie called the gentleman that came out in February with a guy Ritchie film with Matthew McConaughey, Colin Farrell, um, Charlie Hunnam. Oh, I did played, see it. I'm yeah. Sorry, I did see it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and yes, he's yes. great in there and he's good in here. So he's really just, from a talent standpoint, I'm just blown away by him in general, but just the stoicness of a, and he looks so sad. Like he was really in love for these two days, but yeah. And then another, there was another scene, the other scene with, with uh, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in the park when he, they mm. would see him in the park. Like that's a really poignant scene too, because it, they, it kind of shows you, the two sides you're dealing with in like one really quick snapshot. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, I just remembered, I don't remember all the words. Obviously I, I watched it a few weeks ago, so it's not that yeah. fresh in my mind, but I do remember they were kind of saying that they respected him because of the job he was doing. And he's like, well, I'm just doing my job. And they were kind of, then they try to, to like poke, yeah. to try and see there's a hole that, mm-hmm side or veneer he has up and he just walks off at them yeah he's like yeah i gotta go Mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the things about this film too at least with with uh i think schultz is jordan levitt's character's name schultz yeah Schultz, schultz right richard schultz yeah um that's one of the things too is he's he is the voice of obviously the government here but he's also he has his he still has his humanity he's not a complete Mm -hmm. And we see that obviously in the scene, the the really graphic scene where mm-hmm. Bobby Seal gets taken out because he keeps complaining that well he keeps saying my attorney's not here, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be here. He keeps interrupting mm-hmm. the court. So then uh, Franklin Jell's character, the judge, he's um, Julius Hoffman. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, "You know you're in contempt," and they take him away and they show you they the cops or the court officers bound him and beat him a little bit, and then they bring mm-hmm. him back out in like this. I don't even know what those things are called. I don't even know either. And he's got the, like, got a the gag, gag in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. And then immediately Schultz goes, can we have... Yeah. Know? Yeah. And he goes up and he just, he plagues, you know, like, you know what? I'm his for a mistrial. I want mm-hmm. him to have mm-hmm. his mistrial. And the judge is like, why? And he's like, sir, you just beat a man and you mm-hmm. have him appearing in open court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... I just think that, like, again, that's probably the scene everyone will remember from this film, Most without likely, a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it really shows, it shows to me, and at least that Schultz was, while he wanted this case and it was a big, for his career, he didn't lose his humanity in it. He really... I love that. Yep. Wonderfully said. Wonderfully said. And two, um, another on the opposite side in the courtroom to a scene I liked is when Rylance, when he finally, when he screams that first time and I forget what he says, but he's trying to keep his cool the whole time. He's trying to be the best lawyer he can. And then he realizes he he's, he can't do that. Like it's not possible for him to be what he was taught to do in the courtroom. So I forget what he says, but he's finally like, I understand or something like that. And he yells at the judge and he got what he ended up with what? 26 contempt of court, 26 counts of contempt. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And well, the scene where where he's crossing, he's, he's, um, what's it called? He's getting the testimony from 
Keaton's character. Keaton, uh, Ramsey Clark, yes. Yeah, Ramsey Clark's character. And th- that scene, and then the judge at the end is like, I don't think the jury needs to hear it. And then, <laughs> yeah, like he, even that scene with Earth Rylance, he was just like, you know, mm-hmm. how could you not? Like, it, mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, that's another great scene in the film. Like, it's another, another really, really great scene that you're like, and it just keeps building up in you like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> you know, let them, let them try the case. Let them let do them, what they're there to them. do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that judge, man. I, obviously, you've read things about him. And yeah. So did I. And uh, yeah, he obviously had his own agenda. Mm-hmm. And he was deemed incompetent by like 73% of people who voted for him for years after. Um, so thankful to say he's not the judge anymore. <laughs> thankful to say <laughs> But yeah, um, any other final thoughts or feelings you had about the film overall? How would you, or do you want to just get right into ratings, where you think it stands in terms of films you've seen this year? Oh, well, I just saw Tenet, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, that's another conversation, actually. Yeah, that's another conversation to have. But I did just, movie theaters just opened here in New York on Friday. That's right. So I was able to go finally and see it. Uh, everyone's like just wait i'm like no i want to go to the movies this is one of the ones i wanted to see mm-hmm. so yeah so i could that'll now be added to my list of movies sure. i've seen this year sure. um but this I'll is give- at the top like this is definitely okay. at the top uh you know again if you like aaron sorkin immediately you're gonna oh, like yeah you'll like you'll at least like the film mm-hmm. i think you like his style and the way he writes and as we said his direction's pretty decent in this it's a solid i said a solid b so i'll stick with that um so yeah i think it's at the top of the films i've seen this year uh i probably have to think hard about the ones i saw earlier in the year <laughs> yeah the invisible man is the one i remember yeah that that's early in the year. one of the last ones i saw yeah yeah before we went down i'll give you fifteen thousand dollars if you could tell me the whole plot of tenant if you could explain it to me right now <laughs> i can't exactly that's why i'm gonna keep my money <laughs> that was the first thing when i left the film i'm like what the hell did i, I just no. watch I saw it twice and I still can't tell you. I'm going to have to see it again uh, to see if I can. The second time you're going to think you have it. And then like the halfway (laughs) switcheroo happens again. And then you're like, nope, nope, don't have it. Do you know the thing with the names and the words and how they all cross? If you put them in a box, they all spell each other frontwards, backwards. Ah, no, no, no. I'm going to send you that. So you can see it. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, uh, now we're going off on it. Yeah, I know. We're tangent. I'll bring us back. So yeah, tri- Trial of the Chicago Seven, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> starring Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, yeah, blah blah. Um, no, I'm. Uh, it's it is at the top of my list. Um, I, I did say it's it's. I think it's the best film I've seen this year so far, and that's also because I can't understand Tenet. So Trial <laughs> goes in front of it. Um, I, w- I want to echo what you said. If you like or love Aaron Sorkin, you're going to, I think, like or love this film. Um, and I hope I don't word this in a way that turns people off, but I also think if you really care or are really paying attention to the state of the world as well, I think you'll like it even more because I think you're going to feel a certain way about certain parts and certain characters in the film that might fire you up a little bit. Um, and also films 
exaggerate things for us. They show us things that maybe right. we don't think about on a daily basis because routines and our jobs and certain things we're focused on. This film also might put certain things in perspective for you that you see more. Um, but I think it's definitely going to land several Oscar nominations. Not sure if Sorkin's going to get directing like some people think he's going to, but definitely screenplay. Definitely screenplay. Definitely, hopefully, Rylance, maybe Langella in the cast. I feel like they're going to try to get Eddie Redmayne in there just because it's Eddie Redmayne, and they usually like to put their names in there. Um, I would, honestly, I would give it to Keaton for the 15 minutes he's in the movie. <laughs> he was great. Though. No was. actor has stolen an entire film in less time than Keaton has, at least for me in all of 2020. Yeah, but you're right. Like, like that. You're right. His his small role is it's pivotal to the film, the plot it's number pivotal. one. Yeah. And he just he just chews up the screen, man. It just He adds so much. And he's just yeah. Keaton. I mean Keaton being Keaton. Um, it really is. Like at the end of the day, it really is. Keaton, but he's just he just so has good. a certain yeah, he has a certain way that he just, I don't know. He really is excellent. He's an he's he, great. It's a, it's so weird. I mean, I'm older than you. It's just so weird for me to remember where what he was when I was younger. He was a comedic actor, basically. Of course, yeah. He didn't do much drama, and where he is now. And now he's um, like a, he's the legend. He's one of the legends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he had a long period where he wasn't doing much of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously Birdman. Yeah, the film like twenty fourteen on. He's been on a roll. Yeah, we're gonna go on another tangent though, so let's yeah. not go that way. <laughs> and when he comes back as Batman again. Oh yeah, it's yeah. gonna be even greater. But that's tangent I can't wait for that but anyway so because we are doing this for the let's go podcast what rating would you give it is it a gotta go is it a let's go is it a go is it a don't go it is a trash juice i have a feeling it's not the latter three so <laughs> i'm curious to see what you're gonna say for me it's a gotta go i think for for everyone else it probably is the let's go mm -hmm. that's how i would because again if you like aaron sorkin you're gonna watch and watch this mm -hmm. Um, and that's the main reason. And then when you do watch it, like for me, it just adds on top of it. It was just that much better mm -hmm. for me. But I don't know if everyone will feel that way. So my personal opinion, it's it's a gotta go. I think for the general audience, it would be more of a let's go. Yeah, we're on the same page. I love this. So for me, it's a gotta go because one, I love Sorkin. I thought it was well done. But I also love, well, I well, I do love how I felt during it. I love that I felt during it. That's how yeah, I say it. I love, I love that I felt during it. And I always will say certain films can age well. I know with some people, sometimes you watch something and then in a few days it really fades. But for me, I really do a good job of, I think me, I'm like giving myself a compliment. <laughs> I, I, I love film. I love TV. So I, when I feel a certain way, I notice it. And right. if that sticks with me, I know, like, I know we just did a whole podcast where my father and I argue various points of Avengers Endgame. And while I think some of the plot stuff hasn't aged the way I feel during that every time, the emotional stakes, what that film had to do, what it set out to do, I think it lands that. So the example I'm using is I think this does that too. And the way I felt during this film really spoke to me and it was effective. When something is effective, it sticks with me and it usually gets a good rating for me. So it's a gotta go for me. And Eric, this was a great time talking about this. We should make a movie. <laughs> well yeah uh what's it called pete actually yesterday someone said to pete i don't remember who it was 
that we should him and I should write a screenplay. Do it. I don't know what about. <laughs> but, but they said that they like our interaction and how we talk on how we are straight out of Gotham. So they're like, we should they think that our knowledge is enough to write a screenplay. So you should write a hip hop film that's set uh, in Gotham City <laughs> called Straight Out of Gotham. You know, Nico was supposed to rap for us today. Guys. I was. That was the original plot. Trial of Chicago 7. Yes. We're going to heaven. (laughs) Someone set the bar high. And let's see if Eric can fly. (laughs) Anyway, beautiful. That's a hot hot four right there. Hot four, hot four. I'm not getting the 16. I'm not getting the 16. I maybe get to six, but then that's where we cap it off. So, so Eric, where, where can the beautiful people find you on the um always positive never toxic social media (laughs) yeah okay well you can find me on twitter at finally 33 it's spelled finale 33 also you can find me on instagram there as well if you want to hit me up on the straight out of gotham twitter account it's at straight underscore o underscore g Mm -hmm. you just had an episode answering some questions oh yes that's true see i have a what's it called you're doing marketing for me right now yes we just we just yesterday actually i just posted it yesterday so we're recording this on a Sunday. I just recorded, uh, posted this yesterday, uh, the, for our very first mailbag episode uh, of the Straight Outta Gotham podcast. So Pete and I answered questions from the fans. Uh, Nico didn't submit one. But... You know what, though? Hold on. <laughs> I was actually, I was, so I kept, so when it comes to question asking, if I don't have a prompt, I, I struggle. So I had about six I was going to send, and I'm like, but I don't even know if they're going to be talking about this. So I listened, got an idea. Next, Next time. One. Okay. Bam. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm going to ask a dumb question. Like, who's your favorite Batman? <laughs> so like, like I was thinking, like, I couldn't think of, in my mind, I wanted there to be like a good one to like get you guys to think. And I kept going to like, so what are your thoughts on uh, Jared Leto's Joker? <laughs> like, just getting like the same thoughts I already know. So I'm like, I heard, I heard what some of them were. I got a vibe for how you guys do it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. The, the, the Batman one, uh, the favorite Batman one is a question that I've gotten for Batman on film. I've oh, for year. oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, uh, we hope people don't, add, but Hey, if no one's heard it before, I'm happy to say it again. For, absolutely. So who is it? <laughs> Who's so you can follow me. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> well, well, I've, I mean, people, I, people have seen, and it's Ke- Keaton is my favorite Batman. Uh, I respect that. I've actually Batman. So I respect that. I respect that. You, you can't. There's almost no wrong answer when it comes to that, unless you say George Clooney. But anyway, <laughs> love George Clooney though. He's a phenomenal actor, and with better material, he might have been the best Batman. We never. He might have been. You're right. That's <laughs> so, a very, very good statement. <laughs> So to bring it back, you can follow me at N-I-K-K-O-C-A-R-U-S-O on Twitter and Instagram. I spell it out because usually people named Nico only use one K and I use two. So phonetically, it would be Echo instead of Eco. So um, that's why I spell it out because people will do it wrong. Um, and then you can check out a written review I did for this very film at the let's go podcast on twitter what you're listening to right now and then a special audio version of this of what eric and i just talked about will be available on the vigilante 1939 which is a podcast i am a part of as well with a very good friend of mine and my father as well so you'll hear a special audio version of this on there if you're not looking to watch on youtube or if you want to support our show instead of this one 
It's not a competition. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and then go to T Public for the Vigilante for Let's Go. And does Straight Outta Gotham have merch on on on, on T Public? Not it's yet. Coming. It's coming. We're working coming. on it. Yes. It's yes. coming. We, it's coming. We have we have stickers and magnets and that kind of stuff, but it's not for sale. All good stuff. We just we have it for us right now. And it's special. It's for special reasons. <laughs> yes, it's for special reasons. For special. Uh, reasons. So one of those reasons is actually if you like straight out of if you listen to straight out of Gotham and you leave us a comment on our uh, on Apple on iTunes, uh, we will read it back. We pick one every month. We read it mm-hmm. back, and you get a prize for the. And it doesn't have to be nice comments. You can write hateful comments. If we think it's colorful Trash enough. Kids. Yes, if we think it's colorful enough. Pete and I don't take ourselves seriously. So if it's, we Absolutely. think it's colorful enough, we will definitely, we might make you, you know, say you won. So Absolutely. give it a shot. Absolutely. And the last thing I want to say is, Eric, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was a great conversation. And this is actually the first time we've done something just the two of us. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, me too. How did it, how did it feel to be solo for you? I feel naked, Eric. <laughs> I feel naked. I'm usually not really alone. I've, I've done a few um, videos. So what you're saying is you're not wearing pants right now? That's I'm not wearing saying. pants. Why would I? Why would I? I'm not on camera. Oh, why would I? But um, no, I, 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 I think it was great. And I, I can't wait till we do something giant again. And I think, you know, a certain special comic book is just came out. Or, well, for some people it just came out. And then it's on the horizon for others that maybe we'll all talk about or something like that. But also I think it's time for an iceberg lounge soon, but (laughs) until then, until then um, everyone enjoy. Thank you for joining us today and have a good one, everyone. Peace.